So how do you go about preventing crimes happening in real time? What kind of role does the everyday citizen play in crime prevention? I'm Eric Chapman, and on this episode of Dispatches, the York Regional Police podcast, we're talking crime trends with Detective Sergeant Pat Smythe. Pat, welcome. Thank you for having me. What is your experience with YRP? Well, I'm a staff sergeant that's in charge of uh, our auto cargo theft unit. Um, so we predominantly investigate, obviously, vehicle theft, which is predominant, uh, probably one of the most predominant crimes in York Region at the time. It is, really? Yeah, not only probably in York Region, but in the GTA and probably Ontario. Okay, why policing for you? Why did I take on policing? Yeah. Well, it started from, uh, I've got an uncle back in Scotland that uh, that was a flatfoot back in the day, and my brother was a, a Mountie with the RCMP out in BC. It was kind of something that kind of drew me to that, and here I am. And you love it every yeah, day? It's been great. It's yeah. 30, over 30 years for me now. So. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. Okay, so what kind of crime trends do we see in the York region? Well, I mean, we've got pretty much all of them that you can think of mm -hmm. um, that any major municipality would have. Like, we're, we're obviously well over a million people, and uh, but one of the most predominant ones is is uh, vehicle theft. And how overwhelming is that the word I could use is vehicle theft? Well, I think it's very fair word to use. Um, when I came into this unit uh, in 2019, we were losing roughly, you know, about 800 cars a year. Um, this past year, we're a little over 3,300. And kind of at the moment, we're, um, I think we're looking at probably between five and 6,000 for, um, 2023, like we're probably losing between four to 500 cars easy a month. Well, how does that compare to other cities or jurisdictions across the country? Well, I mean, if you look at just the, the GTA itself, um, I know Peel region, obviously we work very close with our friends in Peel and Toronto and uh, there's good collaboration between us. And I know they're looking at probably four to 5,000 um, cars last year. And probably they're seeing that increase the same as us. And I know Toronto's in the same boat. They're roughly, I think about nine, I think they had eight or 9,000 cars, but it's per capita as well. Like it's kind of works itself out. So when you draw the the averages there, that's, we're kind of all in the same boat. Okay. And I know Durham's and Halton are in the same boat as well. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, who is taking these cars and who are they taking the cars for? The cars themselves are generally ending up in uh, usually Africa or the Middle East. Um, so it's kind of a process where the vehicles go from obviously from Canada to there. Is there specifically that, is there a reason that it goes there specifically or is there any information on that? I think it's comes down to supply and demand. Okay. Um, so, I mean, if you take a look around right now and you look at any of your car lots in Canada, um, there was a time where you could go and you could no negotiate a, a color, a price, uh, the components that are within your car. And nowadays you're probably seeing about 10% of the cars on the lots that you would previously see, like if you go to get a car or you have to wait for, you know, six months to a year to get a car or the, the model or, or what you're looking for. And so because of that, um, obviously the thieves take advantage of this. Uh, they recognize this, uh, an opportunity for, um, a great amount of profit for them. So the, the thieves that we look at, it's, it's quite a network. Um, they can be anywhere from, you know, like 16 years of age that are maybe moving the cars, um, to all the way up to 56 year, year olds that are like running that sort of network. It's uh, kind of a, 
an organized, unorganized group. Interesting. I wonder with car theft, is it the same people stealing the cars over and over? Is a new person every time that's getting caught or stealing the car? I've been tracking this for our unit probably since about 2019. And the actual thieves, the majority of the people that that we deal with, um, they're coming from Quebec. Really? Yeah. Um, I would say that probably on average between, like we've, if I grouped it together, we're probably 350 to 400 different people that have been arrested. I would say 90 to 95% of the individuals are are from Quebec. And young kids doing all the a, running a lot and of them, stealing. Yeah. 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 It's truly is a network. Right. Um, and is and on the upper, like, what's the network there? Like the big boss leaders in that, in that part of the network? Like who's, who's demanding these cars and shipping them away? Again, it comes with supply and demand. Like we know where some of the vehicles uh, are going. Um, we've like identified different car lots um, in Abu Dhabi, in the Middle East, um, in Nigeria. Um, like we know, we know where they're ending up. When you take a car that costs a certain price in Canada and you take that vehicle and then ship it overseas um, and they're getting the exact same price in U.S. dollars over there, like it's pretty profitable mm-hmm. for those individuals to put a couple of containers uh, on the sea and send them over with a couple of cars in them. Is there a particular car that's often picked by the thieves to take? It depends on the demand at the given time because it really varies. So it does change then, okay. Back in, say, 2019, 2020, you would get your Lexus RX 350s, Lexus RX 450s, then you would have like Honda Accords and CRVs. Those were very popular. Um, Over the last little bit, it's been like Ford F-150s, it's been Dodge Rams, and varying models within there. Then you've got your Toyota Highlanders, um, you've got Jeep Cherokees, you've got um, Range Rovers. Um, and like, so when you take all these vehicles, but it's somewhat cyclical in, in the fact that because at one point in time, you know, they'll, they'll focus on stealing this type of vehicle and then they'll move to another type of vehicle. It's almost like an order is being put in for them. Wow. Okay. So with the advancements in technology, is it becoming easier for these thieves to be trained to steal these cars and take the cars? So kind of like the, the way this network is set up, there's from what we've learned through investigation, through interviews of subjects that we've arrested, um, it starts with, uh, say, a, a lower end individual that we would call them a scout. And this scout would go through neighborhoods and they'll take pictures of VINs. And the VIN, like your public VIN that's on the front of your car, uh, and they'll take pictures of those and then they'll, they'll identify vehicles for the thieves to come and take. So then the thief would come in and then they're the ones that would actually commit to the theft of the vehicle. So they would, and I'll, I'll get into how that occurs maybe a little further on, sure. but how that they would then take that vehicle and then you would have runners involved and we would classify a runner as someone that maybe is driving that vehicle. So they might drive it straight back to the port of uh, Montreal and Quebec, um, they, or they could be loaded in Ottawa or they could be loaded somewhere else other than the GTA. Or they'll take those vehicles and they'll kind of stash them or hide them somewhere within the GTA. And when they do that in the GTA, it's kind of like a cooling location. So they'll put it in a spot to rest for a day, a couple of days, um, just to make sure that the vehicle has no aftermarket GPS or some sort of aftermarket locating device that alerts law enforcement to where that vehicle is at that point in time. 
And then once you move up that grade from there, then you have a, a network of people that actually do the shipping. And the people that do the shipping, um, they would, so the vehicles are brought to them, they would containerize those vehicles, and then they would go, go by a tractor trailer or usually by train, and then, you know, across rail to Montreal, and then onto a, onto a, a ship at that point, and across the pond it goes. And then above that, then you've got your organizers. And then beyond that, then you've got your car dealerships and um, overseas where these vehicles right, are. Right, right. So do, do they all go overseas or do some stay here? S- some stay here. Some are revinned. And what I mean by revin is they'll, they'll change the, the your public VIN that's on the vehicle. And that vehicle will go back into circulation. And sometimes it's used as a crime vehicle. Sometimes it's just, it's repurchased by mm-hmm. Joe Citizen mm-hmm. that might not know it's a stolen vehicle because it's been re-registered as a proper vehicle. What are the repercussions for someone involved in a situation that wouldn't know like an average Joe Citizen? Like if they buy a stolen car and they get caught with a stolen car, like what are the repercussions there? Well, I mean, there's a couple of different things that will come into play with that. One, um, there's a, a bit of willful blindness, right? Right. right. So let's just say that you purchased a car that's uh, a Range Rover that's normally between 120 and 150,000 and you purchase it for $20,000. Well, it's pretty tough to to objectively um, argue that, right? But if you're a regular citizen, you purchase the ve- purchase the vehicle that's within the price range. Um, and as far as you can tell, that vehicle has um, been registered properly the VIN matches the paperwork. You take your paperwork, you go to the MTO, you re-register the vehicle into your name. They allow it to happen. And now somewhere down the road, the vehicle's uh, been identified as a, as a re-VIN vehicle. Right. And you've been paying for this through your insurance company through proper means. Most of the insurance companies honor that. Most. Just because that, as far as they know, like you did the proper... As long as there's some semblance of, hey, you know, I'm checking into this and looking into it. You're okay. Um, Can we, I don't know what we can get into here, but tactics and devices used by these, what sounds like kids that are stealing these cars. What, what are, is it, I guess, is it getting more difficult with the technology getting more advanced to open your car or is it getting easier to access these vehicles? Um, The most predominant one out there right now is just your standard OBD attack. And the OBD attack is like your onboard diagnostic computer, which when your car has a light that shows up on your dash, the mechanic plugs into a little port that's underneath your dash and it tells him, hey, listen, him or her, that this is the problem with the vehicle. So what they'll do is they they get um, a device called an X-Tool is one of them, um, which originally they came out, like they were three to $5,000. It would allow you to reprogram keys. So what they would do is they would break into your car using some sort of mechanical means, either by damaging your lock or using the old famous Slim Jim, which they would slide in from the, from the window and open the door. Once in the vehicle, they reprogram a key and your key now, or your car now recognizes this new um, key as the key for the vehicle and disregards the old one. Oh, so okay. that means the key is now there. And that can take, depending on how long they're in the vehicle, but anywhere from say two minutes to 10 minutes, right? Depending in if it's a, if it's one that's based off of the app on your phone, um, it can be, they can be doing that from a block away. So they plug in, they leave your car, you look outside, you don't see anything different with your car and you know, a minute later it's gone kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, now that X tool is, can be, uh, can be purchased for considerably less now. 
Oh, really? Online, yeah. You oh. can get that for like $200 as an app. Oh, okay. So, oh, it's just an app on the phone? It's just an app on your phone. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. And then, so that's the, the OBD port style attack. Um, and then you've got what's called a relay attack. And a relay attack is, it's basically stealing the signal from your key fob from within the house. And there's two, there would be two thieves or two individuals working together. And one would be standing at the, at the front door of your house. The other one would be standing by the, the vehicle and it relays that signal from your key fob to the vehicle through the individual, the other secondary individual that's there. So it's captured at the house, relayed to that individual. And then your vehicle thinks, oh, there's a key within proximity. I'll open the door and allow to start the car. Oh my goodness. So, and that, we've seen that literally take 18 seconds. Really? So yeah, it's very, very challenging for us. That's been plaguing Europe for three, four years. So we've known this is coming, um, but it's, it hasn't hit us yet till recently. Um, that process eventually will end, end up back to the OBD port attack again because it would have to reprogram a key. So just as you know, I'm sure, I don't know if you have a push button start, but if you have that push button start on your vehicle, um, once you turn it off, there's no key there again because it wasn't, because it was relayed. Right. Right. So then they would have to reprogram a key to be able to move the vehicle again. Okay. Right. Wow. Then there's some new recent ones. There's uh, called, a, it's called a CAN attack, C-A-N. And it's, uh, I think, believe it's called a control area network attack. And on Lexus vehicles, they're basically popping the, um, the front quarter panel and they're accessing a, um, like a relay network that's inside. Um, and they're basically tapping into where the headlight is and being able to start the car from there. Then there's a, another version of it, which is like a, like a module attack that they're using on like Range Rovers where they're cutting a hole in the back. Um, and they're coming in through another module back there and being able to start the car. Like, like the, the technology based stuff. Yeah. Like, um, like I know when I purchased my recent car, which was a truck not long ago, um, a couple of years ago, and I didn't want a, I didn't want a push button start and they were trying to push me into it. But with my past knowledge, I'm, I don't want it. I want a key turn, please. Um, cause they're, I wouldn't say they're necessarily harder to steal, but they, you have to actually have a programmed key to be able to start it versus a attacking um, from a technology point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, those are kind of the three or four Jeez. main attacks that we're seeing out there. It's come a long way from the Slim Jim. It has, yeah. And it does. is that even a technique that's used much anymore? To get in the doors? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, still, eh? still, we still see it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. So we have a ring of young kids stealing these cars, so many people involved. How do you even attempt to slow or uh, where do you, how, I guess that's where I'll ask, where where do you start? Where do you approach this from the start in slowing real time crime from happening? Like how do you even go about that? So that's a great question. And it's not an easy one to answer. No, I can't imagine. Um, Like we, as the police, um, although we try and be proactive, we're very reactive. Um, We do our best. Like I've got a, I have a 13 person unit. Um, that just does purely cars and cargo theft. Obviously, we're doing focusing on cars a lot more lately. And that's when we're fully staffed. Um, and we're not fully staffed right now. Um, we're going through a bit of a process. But um, when we're fully staffed, uh, that's basically two full functional teams that are that are working out there. So although we're very good at what we do, because the people in my office are, they're great investigators. They produce a fantastic product. We recover um, a ton of vehicles every year. 
Um, we just came off a project just not long ago where we recovered like 215 vehicles and oh. um, 14 handguns and a rifle and uh, a bunch of drugs. So it was a great job by the uh, by the members. But that was a it was a joint forces operation with um, with Peel, Halt, and Durham ourselves. Uh, CBSA was involved in that. So from that aspect, great. So that would be number one. So I would call it like a three pronged attack. Okay. So on ho- on how to do this, the first being obviously enforcement and investigation. Um, that's one element. So the second one we really take on is that uh, the community, like working with our community members out there. It really has to be like a, a collaboration of multiple different areas to to really just start to defeat this. Mm-hmm. So we get our, our members, they go out and they're, uh, they meet with... Um, they'll go to neighborhood watch and they'll go to community groups and we speak at different forums. Um, they're on Twitter, they're on, you name it, the social platform. We're out there, you know, putting out all these prevention tips. So that's kind of the second element. And if I move on to the third element then, and this is the big one is the prevention element. So we work very closely with, um, with our, our law enforcement friends with, uh, Equite association, which is the old IBC, um, which is in, you know, insurance. Um, so we work very closely with them. Um, we work um, very closely with the Auto uh, Manufacturers Association. So as the as we gain intelligence out there, so some of the four elements that I spoke of, how they're taking cars, we work with our partners out there and share that information with them. Um, and then they, are, again, try and improve their um, anti-theft measures. Mm. Wow. So those, that's kind of that three-pronged attack yeah. that we're really trying to put into play. Okay. So you mentioned citizen involvement. What are some things? I, I think number one we have to keep in mind is citizen safety first, but what are some things that people can do just out in the street or, or, or walking down and they see something or hear something or what can people do or where can they access a portal to sure. get the information to you? Sure. Why don't we start with, we'll start with the basics of how do you pr- protect your own car? Yeah, sure. Let's and go. We'll, and then we'll move up from Let's there. Do it. So when we look at just the simple car element, um, like what can I do to protect my car? Well, I'm not going to reference a specific tool, but maybe a, a steering wheel, a lock, a device that you can put on your steering wheel that that prevents it from being moved. There's that OBD port that I spoke about. There's an OBD port lock that you can put on it so it can't be accessed. Um, there are pedal locks that you can put out there that that um, that don't allow your pedals to be pressed. Um, there's also... Uh, like aftermarket GPS um, that can be put on your vehicle. There's a company in Montreal called Tag um, that's um, prevalent um, in Quebec right now that there's multiple little devices that they use um, that protects your vehicle. Um, and again, these are, these are the first couple of things I mentioned are to prevent it from being stolen and Tag and GPSs and I'm going to say Apple AirTag because everybody knows what it is, but device is similar to that. Not that we're condoning or promoting that. No, that, not Because I'm not, but no. it's just a fact that yeah. it's out there. Um, these assist in recovering those vehicles after they've been stolen. I think that's a big one, that GPS. A lot of people, that seems like a really simple thing that someone can do sure. is just put that on their car and sure. you know you know where it is. Like usually aftermarket ones are seem to be better because the yeah, the thieves so. that are out there they'll defeat the ones that the manufacturers put in there. right so that's built into the module your your um communications module that's within your your entertainment system mm-hmm. and they'll defeat those okay um but to have aftermarket ones in your vehicle that's that people may not know about mm-hmm. 
that's where we're having more success mm-hmm. with, similar to the, the tags I refer to. Our York Regional Police Portal, that's that's got crime prevention tips on there. Um, we've got uh, some different things with Crime Stoppers where they give away a Faraday pouch um, and a Faraday pouch. What's, if, a, yeah, what's yeah, a Faraday I'll pouch? Yeah. What that yeah, is. Yeah. So, Faraday pouch is basically a device that, that blocks any electronic signal. So it's just like a, a little bag or a pouch. So it prevents that relay style theft. Part of the problem um, with individuals and homeowners and and people out in the community is like, we come home from work, you've, you've worked all day and sometimes you don't want to talk to people and you don't want to talk to your neighbors and up goes the garage door and in goes your vehicle and you don't talk to anybody. Um, or you park on your driveway and into the house you go. Well, the problem with that is we never really see our neighbors and we never talk to them and we never really notice anything different or odd that's in your neighborhood. Mm. And kind of, kind of, and I realize that I've got a, probably a different trained eye for this just because of what I've been doing for 30 plus years. But usually if something looks out of place in your neighborhood, it usually is, right? So the vehicle thieves that take these vehicles generally operate between, you know, midnight and 5 a.m., so they'll catch you when you're sleeping. They'll steal the vehicles from your driveways. So one of the other elements to kind of protect your car is tell you to put it in your garage. We tell you to, to back another vehicle in. So it pins it into the garage. That's maybe not a popular vehicle to steal if it's... So um, one thing is call. If you call us, we will come. Mm-hmm. We will come. Mm-hmm. So, and that's kind of one of the biggest things. If you notice something that's that's not normal or, or, or different in your neighborhood. But if you know the people in your neighborhood and you've taken the time to talk to some of the people, you're going to notice strange vehicles. You're going to notice people that are, that are wandering around there. And that kind of takes, that's not just for car theft. That's for breaking enters. That's for, for any crime Mm -hmm. that's occurring in your neighborhood. If it's, like I said, if it's out of the ordinary, it probably is. Mm -hmm. So call. And yeah, that goes, that kind of speaks to any trend. Mm-hmm. And do you find the, the public's um, perception of crime trends fit the actual trends that are happening? And is it as important for people to stay aware of, of what is happening in crime trends in your area? You know, not, not long ago, they did, a, they did a community survey, which was in uh, just this past year, 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, and the top, top two elements were property crime theft and auto theft. And that's what the public felt that they were being um, hit with hardest. And they felt that that's what York Regional Police should be focusing on. And the top two items are, you know, they both kind of fall under under my command where I am, which is like break and enters and auto theft. Hmm. So car theft is one of the top two crimes in the York region. How does that affect your approach to the situation? Well, obviously, because of the community survey and the way that we view it, because that's what our citizens want, um, we obviously take a very active uh, approach to that. Um, But with that approach, um, we're putting a product forward and it is looked as only a property crime. Now, I've established through earlier on when we're speaking that this is much more than that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a network with um, worldwide tentacles attached to it. Um, it's an organization, although it's, like I said, it can be a bit of an unorganized organization, but it's definitely an organization of criminals that, um, go about car theft and are very good at it. And now we've stated that it's, that Canada is a source country for this and it's at an epidemic stage, um, where we're at now, there just doesn't seem to be that same appetite to prosecute this within the courts because there's no violence associated to it. 
Um, but we've established that it's really plaguing your region and that needs to change. Well, what can be done to, to help move that forward and get that looked at differently? Well, I mean, part of it, um, like we're, we're obviously working with, uh, with our courts on the daily for this. Um, there's only so much court time that's allotted. There's only so many judges, there's only so many prosecutors and, and there's only so many crimes that can be, um, prosecuted properly by them. Now they're just, there needs to be time. There needs to be space. There needs to be more that that we can properly prosecute these individuals because of this multi-billion-dollar operation that's being run um, internationally. Internationally, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so what's the impact on York residents when their car is stolen? I mean, there was a time where you would contact your insurance company, obviously after you put in a, a police report, and within a day or two, you're you're getting a new car from uh, Carlot. But as I stated earlier on there's 10% of the cars that are in your lot that are in lots now. So for the average citizen that maybe had just purchased a new car, very happy with their new car, came out one morning, it's now gone. What did they do now? So it could be three months, it could be six months, it could be a year before they get a replacement vehicle for that because it's, it's well documented that there's a, there's a, a chip shortage and that's the reason for the shortage of cars. So there's these semiconductor chips that they just don't have a lot of it at this point in time. So they're well behind in replacing those because of COVID. Um, so can't get that vehicle replaced as quick as you want. So that, that individual citizen now is stuck either with going a, with a vehicle they don't want or they're having to wait a considerable amount of time before they can get that vehicle. So Yeah. It's, there's a lot of, it's just personal too with a vehicle. Sure like is. that's some, someone's, how they get their, to work every day. That's their, their income. There's things in the vehicle that might be, you know, worthless to you or I, but mean sentimental value oh, is huge. So this, this much, you must have a real big drive to, to sure. really get these people and, and sure. fix this ring because it's a plague. Sure. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It is. Awesome. Thanks for your time today, Detective Thank you. Sergeant. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you bet. Um, I'm Eric Chapman and this has been Dispatches. Dispatches.